wonderful Redeemer, as we bow in your presence this morning, our hearts cry out that song. You've touched us. You have changed our lives. And even more so, Lord, every day your mercies are renewed. Every day we have need of you. Every day we need to die out to ourselves. And every day get a fresh filling from your presence. Today's no difference, Lord. We come for a fresh portion. We come to the well. We come that we might be refilled, Lord. And asking, oh God, for the, that you'd move in your mighty presence this morning. May you just have the preeminence in everything that is said, Father. May nothing be said of man, but may it all be of you, Lord. We're asking for that this morning, believing that these things are possible. You know the needs of the, each and every heart, for you are the one that discerns them. You are the one that goes to them. You are the one that has the answers, Lord. And you have revealed all mysteries in these last days. So all answers are available. We come to meet with you this morning, Lord. We thank you for the singing, the specials, the musicians, and we'll, we'll give a little report, O oh God, of overseas what you're doing, and then the ministry of the word we commit to your hands in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. God bless you. Thank you, musicians. Amen. I just thought to bring you some greetings from overseas. It's been a while, and so much is happening even while we speak. Is that, is that me that's doing that? It's, is there something? It's not connected right. I don't know what I need to do to fix that. You brothers, give me some direction if you need to. <laughs> I'm not the technician. You are. <laughs> Amen. So we'll keep going. If you need to send down another microphone or whatever, you just go right ahead. Amen. So uh, I hope we didn't beat up on the microphones too much at camp. <laughs> I noticed we have a new clip in the back here, <laughs> and uh, maybe we were a little too hard on them. Thank you. I think we've, we've got to change. Praise the Lord. I'm looking for a body change, not a microphone change. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, brothers. Sure. I'll start with it anyway. <laughs> we'll start there. Um, Brother John, who is standing behind me right now, is uh, heading to Ethiopia on this week and is going to visit the believers there in Ethiopia. And the believers there send their greetings. And uh, Brother Basabozi has been in Ethiopia for the last six weeks, and just after Brother John is there, he has to leave the country again and go back to Uganda. But actually, the Lord's going to be using him also for the work that's going on in Uganda, and uh, so to help get to help uh, obtain and distribute the books. But in Ethiopia, uh, there's many things going on. When I was there in May, uh, I realized that uh, the the work of the Lord in that country was at a very crucial crossroads. 
because uh, the Lord sovereignly led us to Brother Basabozi to send him into the country, and the Lord mightily used him and vindicated that immediately winning souls, gaining people that became translators in a country where not much English is spoken, and, and God just sovereignly directed things in that country. And so he's been an instrument of the Lord in Ethiopia. But the laws have changed, and as you know now, he's had to... He can no longer live permanently. He's moved back to Uganda with his family, but he's still able to visit as a visitor, and that's why he's been there for six weeks. And while I was there, I, I realized that the, the people in the church needed to catch the vision of what God is doing in this day. Not that they hadn't caught it, but they needed to realize that the commission to take this message to their country was now resting on their shoulders. They could not rely on outsiders anymore because of the laws that were being put into place. And so I, I was happy that the Lord blessed the ministry. And when Brother, Brother Basabozi went back, he found them uh, very diligently spreading the message. They had begun to have outreach meetings, street witnessing. Brother Matthew, actually, uh, Riddell, you were an inspiration to them with your outreach. And uh, uh, they had uh, heard of that and what, how that Brother Matthew did it. And they you know, were hitting the streets. And they were even having some home fellowships and some home gatherings on Saturday with a view of inviting visitors and all of those things without Brother Busabozi's direction. So God was raising up men in Ethiopia to take this message forward. And so they're, they're even printing tracts in their own language so that uh, uh, they can reach out. And, and let me go back here. Uh, the brother on the right is Brother, I'll say, Asig. I, I'd probably say it wrong, Brother John, so don't repeat that when you go to Ethiopia. But uh, he's actually a, a lecturer at the university and a uh, very educated man. And he actually, with uh, Brother Basabozi's help, created a track to reach out specifically to the Ethiopian people with questions that the Ethiopians would have on their minds in their culture. And, uh, and that's been a, a very good instrument for them to reach out and uh, introduce the message to a lot of people there. And so when Brother Basabozi arrived, arrived there, uh, there was people waiting to be baptized. And uh, he, he uh, this sister he baptized uh, on uh, at the in the middle of July there, and uh, even though she had been invited to a couple of months a couple of weeks earlier to come to the church by the brethren, and so God was definitely moving amongst them. Then brother. Uh, uh, Brother Bus took a trip to a town called Hawassa, which I think is about four hours' drive. And uh, in Hawassa is the, the deacon of the church, Brother Timothy. The brother on the far right of this photo is actually a Kenyan. And he works in the country of Ethiopia, and so he's able to stay there, and, uh, but he's also the deacon of the church there. And he had been moved out of, out of Addis Ababa into Hawassa, which is four hours away, but he comes faithfully every service, four hours drive. And, and so God bless him for that. And, uh, uh, he, but he had introduced the message to one of his co-workers, and uh, uh, his name is Brother... To Mezgin. 
Again, if I say that right. And he, they went to visit him, and he had only, one of the time they arrived there, he had only two hours left before he, could pre, he had to go to his next shift, and he had a whole lot of questions, and they began to minister to him, and God struck his heart, and he melted down, and he, and he said, this is their words, he said, I believe this to be the truth, all true. What shall I do? That's all you need to have them ask. The answer is simple. The recipe is still the same. <laughs> Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So he's the one standing there beside Brother Timothy. And so they baptized him. Uh, he actually had to come to Ethiopia. He traveled from his place. He got off work. He traveled from his place by bus to Addis Ababa, and then uh, immediately after work, when he normally would be sleeping after a 12-hour shift, was baptized, traveled back, and started his next shift. You know God's moving when someone's serious about being baptized and walking in the promise of the Word, because full obedience to the Word of God entitles you to the token. Amen? But I also want to highlight the young brother on the extreme left here. This is Brother Ephraim standing beside Brother Basabozi. He's a fine young brother, and uh, he's about 18 years old, I believe. And uh, his family uh, had been loosely connected to the message because his father had heard the message. But uh, just about the time that Brother Bus arrived in Ethiopia, his father passed away. And so it left his mother and I think a sister and himself. Uh, and so they, they uh, didn't have a lot of means, but, but God made a connection with Brother Bustabozi and Brother Ephraim, and, and uh, Brother Ephraim was uh, baptized, I think, a couple of years ago, and the Lord is mightily anointing this young man. He's just fervent, fervent for the Word of God. He goes to, he travels to every outreach. He's interested in, in, in witnessing the Word. He gets young people from the street where he lives and gathers them together for a Bible study. And so these are not even believing young people, and I believe a couple of them have been baptized. And so he's, he's definitely fervent uh, to not only uh, spread, but to live the message. And, uh, and so this trip, when Brother Bustabozi went back, he had an opportunity to spend time with his mother and his sister, and they embraced the message of the hour. His family, this is his sister, I believe, and uh, this is his mother. Both received baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ there in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. So we praise God for that. We're very thankful. Now, you might remember from last year, uh, this is Brother Okbai, who was baptized last year. He lives in a northern town, and uh, he is a, was an elder in his church, uh, I say was because he, as always happens with the message, gets separated from the church, the denominational church. It's not that you want to leave, it's that the word is a separator, and uh, God is a separator. And he says, come out from amongst them, my people. And uh, when the word comes into an individual, if something happens and the church just doesn't want them anymore. <laughs> Anybody experience that? 
Sure, we've all experienced that, or many of us have experienced that. So Brother Oakby was the one that they couldn't find a place to baptize him. And uh, remember, he was, they were out driving looking for water, and they ran into him as he was out driving looking for water. And so they were all looking for a place for baptism, and finally they got together in one vehicle, and uh, as they drove around, they came upon this lake, as you see in the picture here, that uh, they didn't know existed, and there he was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, since that time, he has uh, embraced the Word of God and been quite a witness a solid, solid brother, not maybe uh, someone that would be so outspoken about it, but certainly uh, was on fire about it. And his family began to pick up the books and read the books that he was reading, the church age book, the message books. And as his son read the message, it began to quicken his heart. And so while that Brother Bus was up there, they baptized Brother Oakby's son, 17 years old, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. We're so thankful. And so that's the way the message is spreading in Ethiopia. The groundworks uh, of a great work of God in that country, God calling them one by one individually, grounding them in the word, revealing himself to them. It's so rich and so wonderful. And remember them in your prayers. As Brother Bustabos, he's able to travel back and forth a little bit, but God is raising up men in the church there to take on the leadership roles in the church, and I'm sure that you'll hear more about that in the days to come. Praise the Lord. My heart goes out to these people. You know, we're, there's more people in this one church than there is believers in that entire country. Be thankful for the fellowship you have. Be thankful for what God's done for us here. And as God begins it there, I believe he'll continue a mighty work. Amen. So let's, uh, just a brief update on Uganda. I don't have a lot to uh, share with you, but a couple of significant things have happened. Uh, here's the, one of the latest meetings that uh, Brother Stephen Abali was attending, uh, ministering to some people that had never heard the message, excuse the blurriness of the picture. But one of the things that was uh, very unusual about this was these were Baptists. Now, quite a number of years ago, um, quite a few years ago, rather, uh, there was a group of Baptist ministers, about a hundred in number, that had separated themselves from the de Baptist denomination and begin to call themselves independent Baptists. And so they kind of had a, a fellowship, and they, uh, they realized that the nomination was, uh, was not what they wanted. And so they, they begin to uh, just fellowship amongst themselves, looking for more of God. Then they, then they heard and began to listen to the radio broadcast. And as they begin to listen to this radio broadcast, they begin to realize this is what we are looking for. <laughs> Amen. And so God began to deal with them through the radio broadcast, and they contacted Brother Stephen to come and minister to them in person the message of the hour. And so that's what Brother Stephen did, and uh, it was quite interesting. I don't mean to make light of our Baptist brethren, but we know our, our Pentecostal brethren are quite lively, 
And, you know, when they heard the word, I was there amongst them, they heard the word, they get excited, they shout, they raise their hands. Well, Baptists don't exactly express themselves that way. And so, uh, Brother Stephen sent me a little video clip of the service, uh, and, the, and the, the, the minister was quite exuberant, uh, and the, the people, you could tell they were enjoying the word, but there wasn't many amens. <laughs> There wasn't any hallelujahs, you know. They were Baptist in their upbringing. And so I'm sure the word will liberate them. But they were enjoying the word of the hour and being quickened by the word of the hour. And so uh, actually on Tuesday, that's a two days from now, Brother Stephen will be going out to baptize about 50 of those Baptist ministers. Amen. Now, uh, that would be a plenty, work, plenty of work for one week for me, but Tuesday is two days off, so on Monday, they actually have another meeting and have asked us to pray because they'll be introducing the message to a hundred Pentecostal ministers that have never heard the message. And so, you know, the, the revival continues to spread there. And I asked Brother Stephen, I said, well, tell me the story behind these Pentecostal ministers. And what, what happened was one of their brethren, one of their uh, ones that they fellowshiped with, a pastor, Brother Rogers, I think his name is, uh, was quickened by the message of the hour and very much began to be on fire with the quickening of God's word. And so they began to ask him questions about what this message was and what it was that was different and all of these things. And as, as they begin to ask him questions, he says, look, I don't really have all the answers for you yet, but I know a man that can come and preach to us and answer all your questions. And they said, well, bring him. So they've arranged a meeting on Monday with about a hundred Pentecostal ministers to preach this message to them for the very first time. Praise be to God. And so that's just Monday and Tuesday. Stay tuned for Wednesday. I don't know yet what's going to happen on Wednesday, but the Lord is doing wonderful things over there, phenomenal things, things uh, that, you know, it's hard for us to, it's hard for me to grasp. Maybe you can grasp it. Every time I think, you know, I've, I've heard it all and, and I've seen it all and, 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 you know, this is surely going to level out, it just seems to go higher and it just seems to go into new places. And all I say is to God be the glory. Our God is unlimited. He's infinite. He's all-powerful. He can do anything that He wants to do. And I don't want to limit God by my uh, understanding of things. I just say, Lord, do whatever you want to do. And so we're here to support it. I, uh, I had a picture, but I didn't put on my slides. I noticed that we have passed the $100,000 mark on the, on the fundraising. And so God bless you each and every one that have given to that. That's, we're aiming for $200,000, and, and so we've passed the halfway mark, and, and uh, we've got everything pretty much planned out as far as printing of books and everything, and the first shipment of books arrives in uh, about one week. Uh, 5,000 church-age books been printed in China and will arrive in about one week now. It's, it's on a ship in the ocean, and... Uh, 
We're expecting that God will just continue to do that. We've got several printings of large books, the Seven Seals book uh, in both languages and in English even they need a small quantity. And then we're printing uh, libraries for ministers and individual messages. And so there's many, many things that are happening to get the message into their hands. Remember them in prayer. They ask that we remember them in prayer. And so we will continue to do that God bless them for that. Before I I go to the Word, I just want to show you one more thing if you bring the website up. And uh, I want to uh, just remind you, for those of you that are not familiar with it, and I know some of you are not because it's not very well used. This is, is, no, don't scroll down yet. This is the Cloverdale website here, uh, that uh, BibleWay.org www.bibleway.org. And oftentimes this is what people see when they look at the website. And the reason I I wanted to bring this up is because actually if you scroll down a little bit, go ahead, the second section is the missions section. And here is where we try to keep everybody up to date on what is happening uh, as much as we can. We're about usually a week or two behind, but usually every week we try and and update what's going on. Sometimes it ends up being two weeks or so, but uh, the latest article is titled, They Tried to Disrupt the Meeting, and that's a description of what happened uh, in July where, uh, well, we told the story already, so we won't go into it, but you can watch this site, and then along the top you'll see the titles. If you click for me on Project Uganda, thank you. It'll zero in. If you're interested in Uganda, go to China now. If you click on China, it'll bring up the articles on China. If you go to Message Hub, it'll show you the latest what's happening on the Message Hub, uh, the radio broadcast, and over to Ethiopia. So you can follow along with the latest of what's happening in more detail than we're able to share it over the pulpit here. So I wanted to bring you that. And then if you scroll right down to the bottom of the page, you'll see where it says Newsletter. If you want to receive our latest news from missions sent directly to your email, please leave your email address below. So you can put your name and your email address, and we'll send you notices that there's a new update in missions on the website. And so you can follow along and and be aware of what's happening as it develops there's so many things that happen that the, the amount of time that I'm in the pulpit or you, we just don't have time to share everything that's going on, but we want you to hear. And I know you're concerned because you're giving. And I know you're praying and I know you're interested. And so we try to keep it uh, before you as much as possible to help you uh, rejoice with us in these outstanding testimonies of what God's doing overseas. Amen? Amen. Amen. So you can avail yourself of that. Thank you very much, Brother Anthony. Amen. And God's doing wonderful things here. Amen. How many did God do something for you at camp? Amen. God was there. He was very present in His Word, in His ministry, in many ways at camp. And we appreciate all of the labors of all the people that, that put forth the effort to create that atmosphere, that we can just stay in that atmosphere of services, between services, at the meals. My, those meals. You know, 
We don't lose weight at camp. And so I'm thankful for the hill at camp. You might not be. I'm thankful for that hill that I have to walk up and down every day. I told my wife, we're going to walk. We're not going to drive because I need to work off these meals. And uh, so I'm thankful for that. But, you know, all that happened at camp in what we saw was to allow God to do things that we don't often see. There's something happening behind the scenes or there's something happening in another dimension that God's interested and I believe that many of you by the raising of your hands were impacted. Let's stand together and take the word. We're going to turn to 2 Kings chapter 13. Second Kings chapter 13. I know by the battles that I have gone through in the last 48 hours that there's potential for great things to happen this morning. I thought last time I preached was tough. But I went through some struggles there. But the devil likes to throw things at you to get you off track. But God has given us what's necessary to stay on track. I'd like to minister this morning on the trajectory of sonship. The trajectory of sonship. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer before we read. Heavenly Father, as we stand here this morning, Lord, we're mindful of our littleness how great you are, and Lord, how that it is hard for us in this body, with this mind, to comprehend, to understand what you are doing, O God. Even as the Apostle Paul wrote to us, by your inspiration, Lord, that we might be able to comprehend what is the height and the breadth and the depth of these things. And Lord, it's a great uh, word and a great gospel that you have revealed. It's mighty, Lord. It delivers. It heals. It, it gives eternal life. It quickens, Father. It, 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 it eliminates nervousness, Lord. It gives peace and joy. And love and all the things that are valuable, Lord. These are the great things of life. And Lord, I pray this morning that as we turn back the pages of your word, we read, we speak about them. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'll open our eyes to that heavenly dimension. What is taking place there is of such great importance to us. And sometimes we cannot see it or understand it, but we feel the influence of it. And we are moved by it, O oh God. And, and so, Lord, may our thoughts to even now be focused upon you. 
And Lord, may they be centered upon the moving of your Spirit, not just in this service, but in our lives individually. You have led us as we, we sing that song, grace has led us safely this far, and grace will lead us all the way. Lord, I pray as we commit ourselves into your hands that you will supernaturally take control now of this service in a mightier way than maybe we can comprehend, but we want to yield ourselves to you. We want to open our hearts to you, and we want to say, Lord, give us revelation this morning. That is faith, O oh God, in our lives, that we might withstand what the enemy has against this church in this day. We commit ourselves to you for your glory, asking your blessing on the reading and the speaking in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14, if you have your Bibles open. It says, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it, and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot, and he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows, and he took them, and he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground, and he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him, and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times, then hast thou smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it, whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. I was thinking about Elisha the man. And we know that, as Brother Branham said in trying to do God a service without it being his will, he says, God chooses his own person by his foreknowledge. He says, like he said in Romans 8, that the election of God might stand sure that Esau and Jacob, both born of holy parents, twins, that his election might stand sure and true. He said, I hate Esau and love Jacob before either boy was born. And he knows what's in man. He knowed it from the beginning what it was. Therefore, he can make everything work just exactly on time. We get all nervous and frustrated. How come you amen the other part? You didn't amen this part. He said, we get all nervous and frustrated. But you never see him frustrated. They don't. See, everything's working all right, just exactly the clock's ticking. Amen. Amen. You're in the midst of something this morning, and, and uh, maybe you've got events in your life, you've got things that are happening, you've got uh, pressures that are coming against you, you've got things that are, that are working to, to move you into certain decisions, and we have to be careful because those are often just the tricks of the devil to try and get us off course. 
Now, the reason I'm saying this is because I want you to realize that the events of your natural life, they can be of God or they can be of the devil. Sometimes we get hindered from something and we think, well, God doesn't want us to do it. But actually, Brother Brown says, sometimes it's the devil trying to keep us from that. And so we have to be very careful. We have to be very discerning, realizing that there are things happening in another dimension that are influencing events in this dimension. And so the devil is trying to push events in a certain way to stop you because he knows that God's clock is ticking right on time. And he knows that if you yield yourself to God, there's nothing that can stop you from becoming and from being and from accomplishing exactly what God put you here for. And so God is sending his word to us to build up our confidence that he has everything in control. Amen? God is sovereign. He has everything in control. You might go through, you might be in a situation right now, and I want to say he has it in control. There's nothing but what happens, but what God knows all about it. Are you here this morning? God knows all about what's going on in your life individually, my life individually. But as I was thinking about Elisha, And how that God chose Elisha. Now, the Bible says that Elisha was wroth with the king. Now, that wasn't the first time Elisha got angry. When the three kings came to Elisha, I think uh, Brother Andrew preached on that. And and Elisha wouldn't even look at them except for Jehoshaphat because he was angry with them. And he was so angry it changed the atmosphere in a negative direction. And he had to call a minstrel to bring the atmosphere to a place where he could get in the spirit and prophesy. All right. So I want you to catch all of those influences now. Here's two kings, the king of Moab, the king of Israel, with the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, who's a godly man. And how that, that Elisha coming to them, he's influenced by their ungodliness. Influenced to his own weakness, which is anger. Because even when he was first commissioned and came uh, with the double portion of the spirit from Elijah, with Elijah's mantle, and the little children running after him and calling him names, old bald head, old bald head, why didn't you go up with, like Elijah went up, they they were just repeating things that they had heard at home. And it it really wasn't their fault, but it was their parents' fault. But Elisha became angry. And he cursed the children. And a she-bear came and killed, I think it was 40 of them. And there was a great loss there. But God chose Elisha for a reason. He had something in Elisha that was going to be necessary in that hour because the nation of Israel was getting more evil and more evil. And God was going to use that man in a great way. So God chooses his man. He prepares his vessel. He knows the temperament. He knew that Moses had a temper. He knew the different situations and troubles that different ones would get into. He knew that David would be high-passioned. He knew that, that he would fall with Bathsheba. He knew these different things would take place because he's God. 
And God chooses us in the way that we are. And and I'm building up to something here, but I, I have to start here. But God chooses us in the way that we are for a reason. But the reason is not to stay the way we are. Now, a prophet doesn't do things on his own whim. It it didn't just pop into Elisha's mind, oh, let's shoot an arrow. Let's open the window and shoot an arrow out the window, and and I'll call it the arrow of deliverance. No, he had heard from God. I'm sure he had had a vision where God had told him, Joash is going to come down, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to have him take bow and arrows, and I want you to have him open the window towards the east, As Brother Branham said, that's where Christ is coming. The sun rises in the east. And so he says, shoot towards the east. He says, and and let him know that is the arrow of deliverance from Syria. Now, something took place in another dimension. But there had to be a representation in this dimension. There were certain things that were out of Joash's control. Follow me closely now. There were certain things that were out of his control and that Elisha gave him explicit instructions. Take a bow and arrows. Open the window. He put his hands on Joash's hands. Remember, Elisha was anointed. And so he says, now shoot the arrow. All right, and so he shot the arrow. Now to shoot an arrow, you don't do anything. You pull the bow back, but it's not your power. A spear is your power. A sword is your power. But the arrow gets its power from the bow. So in order to shoot an arrow, you have to stand still. And so as Joash shot that arrow out the window, he couldn't do anything other than pull the bow back just exactly, and he let it go, and that was the arrow of deliverance. But now there was something that that he had to do. And so Elijah said, now take the arrows that are remaining and with them smite the ground. Now it's up to your free moral agency. It has been loosed that you have heard that this is the arrow of God's deliverance. Now take the arrows that are in your hand and smite the ground. And so Elijah is watching what Joash will do. It's been put into his hands. Now what will you do? It's laying there with you now. What will you listen? It's very much the same as God when he quickens us by his Holy Spirit. He sets our lives in a trajectory. He sends us out. We're headed towards a target. There's nothing that we can do. And I'll maybe touch on that in just a little bit. But, But then there's things that God wants us to do. And he's waiting to see what we will do with the message of the hour. So I've always been inspired by Brother Biscoe's ministry. It's because he's always doing something. His saying is, we did what we could. We've had a good example as a pastor, and we have a good example as a pastor. Even still, he's doing things. Eighty-three, four, in a few days, 84. 84 years old, and he's still... Walks into my office and says, what we need to do is this and this and this. He, he can tell he's been thinking about things. 
He's been pondering. He's been before the Lord. He's been, he's been waiting on God. He's been, he, he hasn't just been, he ought to be retired. He ought to be taking it easy. Excuse me. Um, uh, this isn't personal, but I'm saying an 84 year old man, he's lived a life of a hundred years or more. You understand what I'm saying? Most men don't accomplish as much in 84 years as our pastor has. Excuse me for giving him a rose now rather than a bouquet later. Is that okay? And so we, we thank God for this ministry, but it's been an example. And, and, and as we look at a life, we have to recognize there's been something moving the man. There's been something that's been directing him. There's been something that has set him in, in a certain channel, and he can't deviate from that channel. He can't stop himself because it's not him. It's something inside of him moving him. Are you with me? And so we see that these, these natural events are representative of spiritual events. We see what took place at camp. God did some extraordinary things at camp. Matter of fact, I saw God do some things that probably none of you know. Just because it, it was something that I saw. And it was something very tremendous. And, and it's not, I'm not even going to repeat it or I'm not even going to bring it up. Because it's not for you. But yet, God was doing things and I was just trying to be sensitive, Lord, what are you doing at this time? As we come to the morning service, what is God doing at this point? All right, I have you focused on the eternal now. What is an arrow? We all think we know what an arrow is. Maybe what an arrow does. An arrow, we could say, is a stick. Well, it's not really a stick, but it's a very fine-tuned instrument. But it's a, we'll say it's a stick. One end is pointy, sharp. The other end has what they call fletch, fletchlings or fletchings. And, but we would say maybe feathers or something on the other end to create some drag. There's a lot of physics that goes into an arrow. There's a lot of study that's been done in arrows. And you can read up on all the details. There's, there's got to be a, you know, the, just to give you an idea, and I'm certainly not trying to show you all the highlights of arrows, but there's, there has to be a center of gravity and there has to be a center of drag. And the center of drag has to be behind the center of gravity or the arrow will fly backwards. You didn't know that, did you? Either did I till this weekend. And so... Uh, I'm not an archer by any means, but there, there are certain specifics about an arrow. And by itself, an arrow is not going to hurt you. By itself, an arrow will do no damage because it just, it's, it's just something that lays there. It's just something that's in a quiver. It's just something that that sets there until it's set in motion. It has no power of its own, but the bow is what provides the power, or we would say scientifically, I guess, the momentum of the arrow. And as I already said, that God 
in using an arrow as an example is very specific because they don't need a hand to propel, propel them but a bow. Even you could take the idea of a sling, but a sling still takes a hand to wind up the sling and let the rock go. And so the arrow is kind of a unique weapon in those days in that, uh, and it, there's a, and again, I, I don't want to go into the details. There's a lot of specifics because this, the arrows must be matched to the bow. You can't just fly, fly any arrow with any bow. It just won't work properly. And so arrows have to have a certain stiffness to them. And when the bow is used, and I'm not talking about what modern is called a cro uh, compound bow, but when, a, when the old style bow is used, you might not understand this, but the arrow actually bends itself around the bow when it's fired. And it's, that's called the, the archer's paradox. Now I'm teaching you lots of things that you're, you're going to go home and read about it. You're going to say, wow, I didn't know it was so complicated. Me neither. So if the arrow does not match the bow, this is important now, if the arrow does not match the bow, the arrow will become damaged. And I, I'm laying this all out here because I, I, want to, I want to type it to something here this morning because really your life is like an arrow in the hand of God that he sends out by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you, he does not give the Holy Ghost to everybody. The message or the word quickens specifically those, to who, those who were called to receive it. It does not fit everybody's life. It was not meant for everybody. Not all the world will be saved. Do you understand that? Only the elect, those that God had in his mind before the foundation of the world, they shall be saved. Brother Branham dealt a lot with trajectory, which we'll speak on here for a little bit. But the Bible says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And so now speaking about children... It, it, under a mighty man as a father, he says like, they're like arrows in the hands of a mighty man. If a father is the right kind of a father, in other words, he has a great opportunity to set the children in a right trajectory. Is that right? The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we have opportunities as parents, and those of you that are young couples and, and just about to have children, and some of you have recently had children, you have to realize that those are arrows in your hand, but by themselves they are, they are not equipped to arrive at the target. But the Bible has commissioned us as parents to set them in a certain trajectory. Train them up in the way they should go. You know, we could take many examples that Brother Brown talked about of a tutor. He says, a father that cares about his child. He doesn't have time to teach the child, but he makes sure he has the right kind of a tutor. That's why, that's the reason that there's a school over here across the parking lot called uh, BCA, Boy Christian Academy. Sorry, slipped my mind there for a moment. And, uh, and, and there's some good godly teachers in that school. 
not being taught by some, and uh, this ain't politically correct, but not being taught by some transgender teacher out somewhere or some homosexual or perverted idea, some common law living woman or man that has some kind of an idea about what life is all about and actually have no idea what life is all about. But we have godly men and women in a school that have a desire. And as a parent, you want that child to be set in the right trajectory. Amen. And so we see that we have this opportunity. Now, there there are many things that will try and blow them off the track. That's the devil's job is to try and stop the child from hitting the trajectory that God wants him or her to hit. But if a parent does their job, I believe God will honor that. Because that's the word of God. Train the child up in the way that he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Now you might think, Brother Tim, are you you teaching this morning on child rearing? No, I'm not. But we have to all realize that we are the children of the Lord. And my subject is the trajectory of sonship. Because we have been sent out. If we've been quickened by the Holy Ghost, we have been sent out towards a certain target. And we have to be zeroed on that target. And many times Brother Branham talks about being zeroed in the Word of God. Being focused on exactly the target that God has for us. And if we're not, we'll miss the target. But God sends us out and we have to be very careful that we don't allow other influences to blow us off of God's target. So then we could say, we are God's arrows. We are his heritage. He is the mighty man. And we are his children. Are his children here? We are his children. And we were in his thoughts before the world began. And now that our turn has come, he has loaded us into the bow and he has released us into this age. Glory. So there's a power in our lives that we did not start with. But having been released from his presence, we have been sent out to a trajectory that the devil has no right to blow us off that trajectory. In that trajectory is every promise in the word of God. In that trajectory is every victory. In that trajectory is every deliverance. And even in the scripture we read, it was called the arrow of God's deliverance. And so I want to say this morning, you are actually the arrow of God's deliverance to this age. Amen. Amen. Claim your position, arrow of God. You're actually sent out by God as an arrow of deliverance. You might say, well, I, I have an individual life and, you know, I got certain, I got a, this job, I have this family, we have these issues, all of these kind of things, but, but you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm speaking to believers and if you haven't been, you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, I'm an arrow, but if you haven't been empowered by the Holy Spirit, you're not going anywhere. But being empowered by the Holy Spirit, you have to keep in mind that it's not those individual's traits. It's the target at the end of the road. It's the target that God has aimed you towards. Are you with me? It's not important the little individual things along the way that try and blow you off the course. God himself set you in a course. Don't ever lose sight of that. Listen, we're living in a distracting age. 
such a distracting age. There's so many things. You want to think about politics? It'll consume you. You want to think about sports? It'll consume you. You want to think about education? It'll consume you. You want to think about jobs and, 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 and careers? It'll consume you. There's all kinds of things that will consume you, but that's not the empowerment of God. God may use that to spur the arrow towards the target, but God has a target for you. You are an attribute of God. Let me say it again, and you need to confess it. You are an attribute of God. You have been empowered as an arrow of deliverance in this age. Listen, we can type arrows to a lot of different things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to be super spiritual about arrows. But what I'm saying is I want to use it this morning to just show us you have been set on a trajectory. Let me, let me talk about the perfect arrow, Jesus Christ. See, sometimes... Oh, what a wonderful example. Jesus was the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He was born the Son of God. When he, at 30, 30 years of age, he came to the river to be baptized, and John was commissioned upon whom you see the great bow coming down and releasing that arrow, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on. That's the one that'll be the Messiah. That's the one that'll baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. And so John sees Jesus coming and inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now I want to, I want to zero in on one thing here now. He was the Lamb of God. He learned things by the things that he suffered. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered, the scripture says. He had to go through things. He had to experience things to become a faithful high priest. The Lamb of God that John would see in Revelation chapter 5, I turned to see the lion of the tribe of Judah, and I beheld the bleeding lamb as it had been slain, still the Lamb of God. He was, he was on a certain trajectory to make intercession for us throughout the ages. Are you with me? So Jesus now in his earthly ministry, doesn't matter what happened to him, he was still the Lamb of God. He displayed the character of God. And I want to type specifically the arrow, excuse me for using the word type a lot, I want to specifically type an arrow to being your character. Because Jesus' character was to be a lamb. Now watch what happens. The Spirit of God comes upon him when he's baptized, and God comes down. The Bible says, John saw the Spirit descending like a dove. All right? And, and the Spirit of God in his fullness came in Jesus at the river. And he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. And there he fasted for 40 days, and the devil came to tempt him. With different things. He tried to tempt him to be a lion or to take a throne. But that wasn't the character with which he had been molded. He was to be a lamb. And so he tried to tempt him to turn stones into bread because he was hungry. He tried to get him. Listen now. This will all mean something to you in a little bit. He tried to get him to yield to the flesh. 
But it wasn't his earthly existence that was important. It was the eternal commission that was important. He tried to tempt him to cast himself off the pinnacle because the Bible says the angels will bear you up. In other words, he tried to tempt him to be a show-off. But being set in a trajectory is not a show-off. It's a specific purpose for your life. And so Jesus went through life being lamb. He was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. We could say as he come to the end of his earthly ministry, we could say he was led of the Spirit to go into the garden. But as he went into the garden, there he wrestled with God and said, my, my father, if they'll be willing, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's that lamb nature, laying down his will for God's will. And so as he displayed that lamb nature, the spirit of God in his fullness had to pull back, or we would say the anointing pulled back. And Jesus had to go to Calvary as a man. Are you with me? Is that what happened? So now Jesus goes to Calvary as a man. So he was not anointed to go to Calvary. He rather, he went to Calvary by character. He was the lamb by character. And so as he goes to Calvary by character, in other words, he he's left now with the molding of his life. He was the Lamb of God to be slain. And he goes to Calvary, and they smite him, and they abuse him, and they put the crown of thorns upon him, and he suffers immensely till he's so weak he can't even carry his own cross. And they hang him up there on the cross. And he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But he doesn't run from it. He's still a lamb. He's so much a lamb till he says, why? He didn't say, why do you do this to me? He didn't say, this isn't right. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In every fiber of his being, he was a lamb. A lamb nature, a lamb character molded to the purpose of the hour. Are you with me? All right. So, so his sonship become fully on display. Brother Branham says in the message identification, he says, then when we let his character be in us, then we have become sons by having the mind of Christ, which is his character. He says, your mind makes your character. He says, let the mind, Paul said, of Christ, this mind that was in Christ be in you. Let that mind of Christ be in you. It molds the character of a son of God. Now, those words are important. And I, I'm, I'm just going to lay it right. I'm just going to lay it right down the middle here right now. You can be born again. And not let the mind of Christ mold your character. The new birth is not the molding of your character. I'll let that sink in for a moment. Say, it isn't, Brother Tim? No. The birth is a gift. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? Amen? Revelation is a gift. It comes from God. You know, gifts and callings are without repentance. 
What you are and what you've been called to be, that, that's before you even repent. That's already there. But there's one thing that God puts in you in the trajectory of your life, and that's your character. Character is not a gift. It's a victory. All right? Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Are you still with me? All right. You're nowhere without the new birth. You're not even started. You haven't been, you haven't been shot out from the bow yet. You know, you're, you're still in the, in the quiver, so to speak, in the mind of God. But the, there's a quickening that has to take place to set you in the trajectory of your life. But there's a life to be lived. There's a character to be obtained. And it's not just obtained by accident or by you suffering because you couldn't do anything else. Character is obtained by you willingly putting on the mind of Jesus Christ. Now this might feel a little tight here, but we're going to read here a little bit in Ephesians 4. Is this all right? You love the word? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. All right, now Paul in Ephesians, we know Ephesians parallels Joshua. We know Ephesians is the mature church. The mature age is called the Ephesian age, the bride age. All that types into Ephesians. So Ephesians is a very mature book. And so Paul is not speaking to unbelievers here. He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to the Ephesian church. Brother Branham spoke about it in the adoption series of how that, that the Ephesians was a mature church, and Paul was speaking to the mature believer. And so as, he, as he's done in Ephesians 4, speaking about the fivefold ministry and the impact the fivefold ministry will have in the church, and he ends that at verse 16, and then he, in verse 17 he picks it up and he says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. All right, now he goes to the mind. Now, now you might say, well, Paul, you just spoke about the church being quickened and the, the word bringing the church into perfect love and edifying itself and the fivefold ministry and all these things. Now you're admonishing the church to not walk in their minds like the rest of the world walks by their minds. So now he's, now this is the part of you pick up the arrows. All right. He's talking previously about the arrow being shot out, but now you take the arrows and you smite the ground. And he says here, uh, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of of their heart. Oh, there's so much here. You know, Paul's saying their understanding is darkened. Your understanding does not need to be darkened. Now, let me just say this. Understanding is not a gift. Understanding is what you have. God does not give understanding. He opens understanding. God gives revelation. 
that you might understand. You can go many places in the scripture, and I'm not going to do it this morning, but you can go many places in the word of God where he talks about your understanding being opened, or, or I would that you would comprehend, or, or, or being properly taught. You have not been so taught, Christ, and, and so on and so forth. I think we'll get to that here, but there's so many things that as a believer, okay, you've been shot out. You've been quickened by the Holy Ghost. Young people, you've had an experience with God, but now what? Now what? Don't walk as the other Gentiles walk. Don't let your mind be consumed with the world as the rest of the world is consumed. All right, there's a purpose of your mind. Now let's, let's just get, take it right from the scripture here. He says, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so been born again. No, but you have not so learned Christ. Now, the gospel is not learning. The gospel is quickening. But what he's saying is there's got to come an understanding here. Amen. And so he says, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, here's the powerful part that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Now, that's very much caged or almost hidden in the King James English. So I'm going to read it to you in a modern translation just for the sake of you catching the real meaning that's he's trying to convey here. It says, strip yourselves of your former nature, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion. So he's saying now to the believer, to you, this is what you need to do. Strip yourself of the old man. What's the old man? Strip yourself of the way you were raised. Here comes the bomb. Strip yourself of your culture. Come on. If you can't find your culture in the word of God, strip yourself of that old man. So you say, well, this is the way our culture is. This is the way it is. Nonsense. Strip yourself of that. Paul's saying, put on Jesus Christ. Find it in the word of God. You have been birthed of Christ. And we see, and he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to believers. Your actions matter. And they are your choice. God birthed you, but you choose to live Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says in the scripture when he says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, and we often stop there, but made himself of no reputation and humbled himself to the death of the cross. He didn't have to die. He went to the garden and he said, Father, if thou be willing, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. If I can't have all my possession, but what I have to go through this, then let me go through it. Come on, saints. Be men. Be women. Put your shoulders back. Stand up straight. God has sent me out in this earth in a trajectory, and I am determined to hit that target. 
I am determined, young men, be men. Don't be wimps about things. Don't let the devil make you effeminate. Don't let him make you into some kind of a pushover. Oh, well, just whatever will be, will be. No, the promise of the word, you have been set in a trajectory. Let me just say this. I wasn't sure if I was going to say it or not. There's a young man here in the building. I was talking to him at camp. And he said to me, he knows who he is. It's not important who he was. But he said, you know, Brother Tim, I, I feel like, you know, when I, when I ask God and I pray and I believe, he says, I feel like I just can't get it. And I, and I feel like the, that uh, there's some doubt there. Oh, I says, is that right? Okay. So I said, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a few questions, actually. I said, do you believe that there's a God? He said, yeah. I says, okay. I said, so you believe God is real? Yes, I do. Okay. I said, do you believe that God sent a prophet? He says, yes, I do. He says, do you believe William Branham was that prophet? He says, I do. I says, you believe it was a vindicated prophet? Yes, I do. So you believe that this message is God's message? Yes, I do. Okay. Where's the doubt? So I didn't see any doubt there. And there, there was never an, I'm not sure. Hello? There's never a, I got to think about it. No. He says, I believe all those things. I says, okay. I says, so then if you believe the Bible is God's word, do you believe that? Yes, I believe that. Then if you believe the Bible is God's word, do you read anything in the Bible that tells you you can't have it? No, I don't. Oh, imagine that. So there's nothing in the Bible that tells you you can't have it. So therefore, God's not the one that's telling you you can't have it. So then who would be the one that's telling you you can't have it? Well, I guess that would be the devil. Very good. I said, so let me ask you one more question. Does the devil tell the truth or does he lie? He said, well, he lies. I says, therefore, you can have it. He stood up a little straighter and says, I can have it. I said, therefore, it's yours. He says, it's mine. I said, say it again. He says, it's mine. He says, all right, let's pray. Amen. Amen. You got to be a man about it. It's not, oh, I feel this way or I feel that way or I didn't feel the spirit when it moved. No, something quickened my heart and said, that's the truth. And I'm determined to hit the target. And I will search the word. I will get into the Word. I will feed on the Word until I become the Word. So Paul says, strip yourself of your former nature. Let this mind that was in Christ be in you. Who thought it not robbery, but made himself of no reputation and humbled himself. So there's things in the Word of God. There's things, sisters, in the Word of God that it says about your attire. Is that too simple? It's up to you to strip yourself of your former self and say, I will attire myself the way the Word wants me attired because I believe the Word. Young men, there are things in the Word of God that talk about how you ought to conduct yourself, how you ought to talk, how you ought to act. Now you've been quickened by God. You've been stirred by the Holy Ghost. But now it's up to you. I will put on Jesus Christ. Amen. 
I will put on him on in my conversation. I will put him on in my decisions. Are you with me? We're talking about character this morning. We're not just talking about character as some kind of general, a warm, fuzzy thing. When I suffer, I have character. No, I will put on Christ. That's the suffering. To say, I will withstand the pressures of the world. I will make a covenant with my eyes. As is written in the Bible, I will not put before my eyes any ungodly thing. I will put on Christ. Amen. It's up to you. You take the arrows. You smite the ground. Keep smiting it. Don't stop. You've been quickened. Somebody say amen. You've been quickened. Now put on Christ. I love the way Paul writes about it here. Let me just read a little bit further. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. All right, let's talk about this new man for a second. This new man, which is created. You're a new creation. Born again by the Spirit of God. Born again by the incorruptible Word of God. It's the same thing. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they're spirit and life. You've been quickened by this word, and it's on the inside of the inside. Now you must let that nature be preeminent in your life because you have a flesh. And Paul says, when I would do good, evil is present with me. But you must do what is necessary. I was talking to a brother and he said, you know, may... Do we not make it simple enough for the young people that they wrestle the Holy Ghost and that, that they, I hope this is a good service after camp. You know, they, you know, they wrestle, do I have the Holy Ghost? Don't I have the Holy Ghost? And I said, I said to the brother, I said, it's important that each one wrestle out their own salvation. I don't want someone believing they have the Holy Ghost because I said they had the Holy Ghost. I don't want someone believing that they're a preacher because I said they're a preacher. You got to wrestle it out yourself. I don't want someone believing that they're this or that because somebody else says it. You got to wrestle it out with God. It's your individual walk with God. And so there are things. I, I remember Brother Murphy's testimony. Is he here this morning? He's upstairs. Brother Murphy's testimony, he talks about how he wrestled, and he wrestled, and he wrestled, and God, I need the Holy Ghost, I need the Holy Ghost, I need the Holy Ghost, till God began to speak to him. And all of a sudden, he said, well, maybe I have the Holy Ghost. What were you before, and what are you now? And as I explained to this brother that I was talking to, because the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not indicated by an experience, it's indicated by a life. You were changed from what you were into a new creature. And the power equips you to put on Jesus Christ. Brother Branham talked about it his own self. I think somebody mentioned it at camp. I can't remember. Maybe it was just in a conversation. But how that Brother Branham, in his, in his young life, even as a minister, having the Holy Spirit, but yet having these visions and not knowing what they were, And he would have these visions that would appear and God would show him things because he was a gifted man. He was made for a specific purpose. It wasn't just because he was born again. He was a prophet before he was even born again. 
And so he, he had these, these visions occurring in his life. And because he had them before he was saved and after he was saved, and his, his fellow believers were telling him, his brethren, other ministers were telling him, those things are not of God. You need to get rid of those things. So he was influenced. It was something trying to blow his arrow off the track. Trying to get him to stop being what God had commissioned him to be. And so one day he's out in the yard and he's under a tree and the whole thing opens up and it's just a, like an explosion, spiritually speaking. And he's just, he's just so overwhelmed by it. And he tells his wife, that's it. I, I'm, I'm going to my cave. And, I, and he actually says, I'm not coming back until God gets, lets me free of this. Right. Not realizing it's all there for a purpose. In other words, he's saying, I want God to change my trajectory. But God has one trajectory for you. And so there he is now, goes to his, his place of prayer, his cave, his private place where he would re- begin to wrestle it out with God. Now, if you read his life story very closely, you'll notice a few things happen here now. As he begins to wrestle it out with God before the angel of the Lord steps into the room, revelation begins to come. And he says, what if those things are of God? Notice that before the angel comes the revelation. And so what if this is of God? And then his mind begins to go to certain scriptures. Jesus saying, I do nothing but what the Father shows me first. Oh, what did he mean there? Before before Philip called you when you were under the tree, I saw you. Oh, and all of a sudden he began to realize visions are in the word. And these things are in the world. And, and so he comes to the place in his own life where he begins to realize, maybe this is of God. Then a light appears. Then the angel steps out of the light and begins to explain to him his life's purpose. Hallelujah. Why? Because the revelation of the word had to do it before an angel could even come and explain it. Wonderful. You say, well, you know, what, what if I, I'm just kind of all over the map here. What if I told you, anybody got a message book? I don't have a physical message. You got one there, Brother Mike? All right. So what if somebody told you, Brother Nathan, said, you know what? You want to be like Jesus? All you got to do is read this. That's all. Just read it. And it'll make you like Jesus. Oh, that's too simple. There's got to be more into it than that. No, that's all he wants you to do. He sent you a message. He sent you his word. That you might feed on his word. And as you feed on the word, you become more like the word. It molds you into his likeness and his image. Oh, oh Brother Tim, I, 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 need a, I need a great experience. I, I, I need something supernatural. I need something beyond any measure. I need something that I, I, I've seen things and I've heard things and I, I've been in church meetings and I've gone to the altar and I've had this experience and I've had that experience. All you need to do is feed on the Word. Amen. God sent His Word. 
that you might receive the Word. And by receiving that Word, by eating that book, as we say, not that literal book and not literally eating it, but by digesting the words that are sent through the prophet of the hour, it will lead you to the revelation of this entire book. Everything that you have need to know will be open to you from this Bible. And then you'll become just like the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. We're still in Ephesians 4. You can get that from him later, Brother Mike. He says, Ephesians 4 and 29, he says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. The optimal word there is let. Let. You have a choice to close your mouth. You have nothing good to say about somebody. Say nothing at all. And I, I, I fear sometimes preachers fall short of that. Critical of this and critical of that and this and that and the other. I think we just ought to preach Christ. I really believe it the way Dwight Moody said it. If somebody's got a crooked stick, lay a straight stick down beside it. Don't argue with him about how crooked his stick is. Let him see the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed until the day of your redemption. Let all bitterness... I'm sorry, did it say some bitterness? All bitterness. Listen, I, I've had bitterness. I know how hard it is to get rid of it. It takes prayer. You get rid of it through prayer and, and being in the presence of God. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, ill feeling towards anybody. If you got any ill feeling towards anybody, put on Christ. You got any bitterness, put on Christ. You got any wrath, any anger, any clamor, put on Christ. You got anything bad to say, put on Christ. And be ye kind one to another and tender hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. There are measures of grace that God calls us to in the mind of Christ that he wants us to put on that are not easy. And that's the suffering that molds the character. It's not, oh, I, I, I got sick and that molded my character. Well, that might do a little bit. Uh, I, 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 my car got a flat tire that really molded my character, you know, or, you know, the, I, I lost my job that molded my character, you know, all those sorts of things. They, they might have something to do with it, but in all in all, when you deliberately with all that is the nature within you say, Lord, in all of my expressions, let it be nothing but Jesus Christ. Now there is where the flesh suffers. 
Because the flesh wants to say. The nature, the, the flesh nature wants to be bitter. Come on. Oh, I, I just feel I got to stop on this one for a moment. Because there probably isn't anybody here over the age of 20 that doesn't have a, some sort of scar from life. The older you get, the more scars you have. Somebody say amen. amen. Brother Hugh always says amen. No offense, Brother Hugh. <laughs> amen. <laughs> you know, God bless Brother Hugh. At least he's letting me do the preaching this morning. Yeah. So you've got to allow God to take the bitterness out of your life. You've got to allow him to make you like Jesus Christ that could go to the cross and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You've got to allow that Holy Spirit that's in you to so mold the fiber of your being. And I'm saying it this urgently for a reason. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes there's a bitterness laying there from something that happened in your past that you find hard to forgive. You find hard to let it go. And you find unable to just let that go. But let me tell you something. That is a puff of wind from the devil that's trying to blow you off the trajectory of your life. And the nature of Jesus Christ within you is crying out from your life in everything, forgive. In everything, put on Jesus Christ. In everything, humble yourself. Put on the raiment of humility. Let God just so display himself in you and take you to that trajectory, to that target that he has set you towards. Brother Branham says, and hear ye him. Now I have to, we're going to move through some things. He says, now listen, Presbyterian friend, Methodist, Baptist, and Pentecostal. When you're born again, that only puts you in the family. It's your character, your conduct that gives God confidence in you. We could go through many examples of Brother Branham's life and how the tests were put before him right in the meeting. A young couple misbehaving themselves right in the service. And the anointing of God coming down and saying, whatever you say, it's going to happen. And, uh, and immorality was one of the biggest scars in Brother Branham's life because of what he's seen his father do and how it affected his father and mother's relationship. And so he, he was very much wounded by immoral women in a young age. And it was a scar or a complex that God allowed to be there because there was a purpose in it because this is a woman's age. And so in all of that, God had allowed that to be there. But there had to be a character to override the bitterness and override the malice that when he saw it and was given authority to do anything, his nature said, now, now listen, God said, you do anything. And then God pulled back. God left him alone. He says, and then the devil came in. Say TB. Say death. Say cancer. Whatever you say, it'll happen. Listen now, it's the devil trying to blow him off target. And, he, and, he, and he's standing there and he says, sweat is pouring down my face. What should I do? What should I do? Listen, as men and women, I'm sure you've all been in 
Not exactly the same experience, but an experience where you're tempted to do something in the flesh, but you know it's right to do something else. And there he stood there sweating it out. And finally, at that suffering moment, he says, I forgive you. Hallelujah. And that loosed the presence of God into that meeting. You want to see the presence of God loosed in your home? Try that. I forgive you. What you did to me back here, I forgive you. I know that, that, that you know, maybe you meant it for harm, but that's right. I forgive you. Are you with me? Brother Ram says in Identification 1963, he says, we're invited to shape our own character to his, by his grace. We're invited. Now remember, he says invited. That means it's your choice. We're invited, think of it, to become characters like his if we're ready to lay our character down and the molding that we had. There we go. Culture, family, all of those things back there. If we're willing to lay all of that down and the molding that we had, and then Brother Brown quotes, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, false accusers, incontinent, despisers of those that are good, having a form of godliness and denying the power of the word. And then he says, how can God come into a place when they deny the word? So he says, you are invited. You're invited to mold your character to his character. What, when Jesus walked from the garden to the cross, it was character, not anointing. What is left behind when the anointing is not there is the important thing. Brother Branham goes into it in the church age, in the Laodicean uh, age, and I, I see I don't have it here in front of me, but he talks about the, this last age. He says, he counsels this last age. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. He says, the gold is the Christ-like character that's molded in the fiery furnace of affliction. So he's saying, I counsel you to buy of me. I'm not going to just give it to you. But I counsel you to go and get it. I counsel you to put on Jesus Christ. I'll give you my nature, but you have to put it on the outside. I'll give you the power, but you got to let it display itself. You got to die out daily. You got to subject yourself to the word of God. You got to believe that living Christ is more important than anything else in your life. And I realize I'm off on a little bit from the middle of the road here, but I'm trying to get somewhere tonight to where you realize there's something for you to do. And don't just smite the ground three times. Well, I was, I was saved. I was sanctified. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. There's more than that. There's more victories than that. There's more overcoming than that. Praise the Lord. Because you've got an unredeemed flesh, you'll have the opportunity to overcome it for the rest of your life. Glory to God. And some of you more than others. Hallelujah. Why? Because it's unredeemed. It was molded in your family. It was molded in your culture. God chose it for a certain reason, but he allows you to put on Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews 6 that the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meat for them by whom it is dressed receives blessing from God, but that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected. 
and is nigh unto cursing. What is it? The rain falls upon the just and the unjust. All right? Matthew chapter 13, there's, there's, a, there's a, two sowers that go forth. The first sower sows the good seed. The second sower sows the bad seed. The, the dynamics of the seasons come. The sunshine comes. The rain comes. The warm weather comes. The plants begin to grow. The angels are commissioned. Let them grow together until the end. But in the end time, they'll be separated according to what the rain brought forth, not according to whether or not it received rain. But after the rain is done, what is manifested? The tares are tares. And they'll be bundled in and to be burned. But the wheat are the elect of God. The wheat are the children of God. God planted the seed in this generation that you might be quickened in this generation to bring forth a wheat nature. Hallelujah. Put on Jesus Christ. Brother Branham believed in anointing. He believed there was anointing to preach. There was anointing to pray for the sick. He would fast and pray and then preach and then have to wait for the right anointing to come back to pray for the sick. It was the angel of the Lord. I'm waiting for him. And so he's, he, many of these situations he'd have. And, and he, you know, when he went to, to pray for uh, Florence Nightingale, the, the great-granddaughter or whatever of the original Florence Nightingale, he says, he says she's laying there in the bed. She's nothing but bone and skins. She, she has one request. Pray that God will let me die. That's all she could pray for. Now, she just wanted to be out of this world. She'd seen so much suffering. But it had been built into Brother Branham you cannot pray for that. That's not your place. That's not your... You can't pray for everything everybody wants to be prayed for. That you have to be able to, to go to the promises of the Word. And so, Brother Bram describes her and how her, her veins were even collapsed and everything. And then he says, I've never seen such a sight in, in my life. He says, you've never seen such a sight in your life. He says, I knelt down, and I said, Heavenly Father, have mercy. And then he told her, listen, he says, I'm under no anointing. I just come down here, but I'll pray, but not for you to die. So he's standing there saying a terrible, terrible case, but he's not under any anointing to pray for the sick. But he says, but I'll pray anyway. And he says, he says, I was going to get down close. And the nurse said, Brother Branham, she said, I've always believed if I could get near you, God would answer prayer. And God honored that woman's prayer. And she was raised up. Not by anointing. By a man that stayed with his commission. When the Holy Ghost anointing leaves, now I've preached on anointing. Can I go a few more minutes? Is this good for you? When the Holy Ghost anointing leaves a believer, 
And I don't want you to misunderstand me. The new birth never leaves you. You're sealed to the day of your redemption. But you're anointed to do certain things. And there's times where the anointing pulls back. That's just the way it works. There's mountains and valleys. There's good times. There's bad times. There's times where God will leave you alone. Brother Brown talked about making decisions. He says, and God won't answer me. He's left me alone like an orphan. I have to make the decision on my own. What's he basing it on? Character. And so God's waiting to see what kind of character you got. Brother Brown talked about the raising of a son. He says, when a son comes to a certain age, the tutor tests him. See what kind of decisions he's going to make. He says, then he reports back to the father, says, he makes his decisions just like you make your decisions. He's expressing a type of character that the father's looking for in the son. And he said, and he's, and when the, the Holy Spirit now pulls back from the believer, it still leaves a quickened son. You don't have to feel anointed to be totally quickened and in possession of every promise in this word. Amen. You don't have to feel anything. You don't even have to have God speak to you. You just have to know, I've been quickened. I've been changed. And this Bible is the truth. And every promise of God, indeed the full word of God, is in effect. And I have an entitlement to every promise. And I refuse to let the devil blow me off course. I'm going to stay with the trajectory that God has set me on. Moses was anointed with the word for his day. After three years in the desert, Paul was anointed with the word for his hour. And he stayed under that anointing until the word in him was so alive that nothing could move with him. But but he was not looking for another move of God. He recognized he was the move of God. So even when Moses got down there in front of Pharaoh and and, and he put down, he was so anointed with the inspiration of, of laying that rod down and it turning to a serpent. And then when the magicians did the same thing, was Moses anointed? He didn't know know the next step. Now, the the anointing is not emotions. It's supreme power and control, knowing what and how. Moses didn't know what to do, so he just stood there. If I don't know what to do, I'll stand still. It's very much like firing a bow. You know, when you're firing a bow, you can't do anything. You release the bow, but you have to stand perfectly still. To make sure that it hits its target. So Moses stood still to make sure it hit its target. And as he stood there, he watched his serpent eat the other serpents. And then he did what God had showed him to do. He picked up the serpent by the tail. Now, if you'd ask Moses, what were you thinking at that moment? What were you thinking was going to happen? He might have said, I didn't have a clue what was going to happen. I just did what God told me to do. It's up to God to fulfill the rest. And it's the same with every son and daughter of God. You just do what God shows you to do. God will take care of the rest. Amen. 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 Brother Branham says in anointed ones at the end time, he says, I wasn't the one that appeared down on the river. I was only standing there when he appeared. But how did he get to the river? He felt led to go to the river and do a baptism because it's in the word. And he was baptizing people. He was fulfilling the commission. And God came down in the midst of... See, it isn't signs that we follow. We follow the word. And the signs follow the word. 
says, I'm not the one that performs these things and foretells these things that happen as perfect as they are. I'm only the one that's near when he does it. I was only a voice that he used to say it. It wasn't what I knew. It's what I just surrendered myself to. Oh, there's that same thought. I surrendered myself to. Not my will, but your will be done. That he spoke through. It isn't me. It wasn't the seventh angel. Oh, no, it was a manifestation of the Son of Man. It wasn't the angel, his message. It was the mystery that God unfolded. It's not a man. It's God. Don't you want that in your life? The angel was not the Son of Man. He was a messenger from the Son of Man. The Son of Man is Christ. He's the one you're feeding on. This isn't a man. This isn't the book of a man. This is the inspiration that comes from God. Spoken through a man with a seventh grade education. To be delivered into the hand of God's bride. God says, I have a bride and I have a message for her. And this message will make her bride. And Brother Branham says, you're not feeding on a man. He's the one you're feeding on. You're not feeding on a man. A man, his words will fail. But you're feeding on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. We've heard that quote many times. But listen to what it means. You are feeding on what is unfailing. This message cannot fail. If that quote is correct, this message cannot fail. There will be a rapture. There will be a bride. There will be a people that walk by perfect faith. I believe I'm speaking to those people. I believe some of you are there. And I believe others of you are in that trajectory. That God has quickened you. And you might feel like, I'm a long ways off from there, Brother Tim. But stay in that trajectory. Don't let the devil blow you off course. Stay there where God wants you. Jesus, growing up, going through what he went through before he was 30, he had faith, but not power. Being anointed, he had the faith and the power. In the garden, the power left. But the faith remained. He became powerless in the hands of man. Is that right? And there he walked by perfect faith right to Calvary. And walking by perfect faith in what the word said he was. The word says I'm the lamb of God. Taking away the sin of the world. And in weakness he won the greatest victory that ever was won. He laid himself down to the purpose of his life. I'm not here to fight armies. I'm not here to sit on a throne. I'm not here to raise up armies. Uh, Pilate asked him, are you a king? He says, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. That's not why I'm here. I have a trajectory and you're a part of it and you don't even realize I have to go to the cross. I'm the lamb of God. I know I cannot bypass this, but in fulfilling this, I fulfill the greatest victory that there ever was. Every son and daughter of God God was redeemed 2,000 years ago. The price was paid once for all. 
Hallelujah. When you go to your knees in prayer, you can say the price is already paid. Lord, forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. Lord, take that away from my life. Lord, deliver me. Or if you're here this morning as a sinner, you need to raise up your voice to God and say, Father, I'm coming home. Forgive me of my sins. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I accept him as my Redeemer. It says Jesus had perfect faith. He had it. And it come because he was the Word. And you become the Word as you receive the Word. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask what you will and it shall be done. If you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt, but believe what you've said, you shall have what you ask for. When you pray, believe that you receive what you ask for and you shall have it. It shall be given to you. And then he says, time, space, nothing else will ever change it. Nothing in this dimension will stop the power of that dimension. Hallelujah. As musicians come, Brother Brown talks about a case in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Actually, he's preaching in 1956. He says, here some time ago, I stood by a dying child. Been about eight years old ago. Boy, about 12 years old. His father sent for me to come. And I said, well, I'm in meetings. He says, well, these meetings. He says, Brother Branham, my baby's dying. He says, I'm an old man and my only son. If you'll come and pray for him, Brother Branham. And then Brother Branham must have just been eating. He says, well, I'm just here. I've just eaten a big dinner, and I'm under no anointing. And the man said, just come pray the prayer. I believe in you, Brother Branham. So Brother Branham says, I went there to the hospital. So he sent me back there, and we got down there beside the bed. The boy's unconscious, and I laid hands on him. And I said, Heavenly Father, this man has believed you. And I come as a witness that I believe with him to lay my hands upon the boy in commemoration of your word, saying, if they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. I believe you, Lord. Now remember, no anointing. He's just saying from his heart, I believe you, Lord. He believes believes you. Now we commit it to you. And then he says, and that boy is married and got a wife and child now. Anointing? No. An arrow set in a trajectory. And he stayed with that trajectory. He didn't let the devil push him off in this direction and that direction. Maybe at camp you were set in a trajectory. Don't let the devil blow you off course. You're an arrow in the hand of God. Your life has a purpose. Maybe you're here this morning and and you've been a long way in the way. And the devil has tried to blow you off course. And tried to buffet you. Try to send circumstances your way that seem like they're impossible. Just stay with it. Don't let the devil blow you off course. Just as Brother Bram says, you might not feel anything, but just believe God's promise. And you watch God bring his word to pass because of your faith. Let's stand together. Brother Ryan, do you know that song, We Cry Out? 
It's 1118. I don't know it exactly. I recognize it. But if you could lead us in that song. Father, seated on your throne of grace. Of life. Seated on your throne of grace. It's only by.
Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord. We give you glory. You're the God of grace. You're the one that we rely on. You have set us. You have empowered us. You have launched us into this age, Lord. By your spirit, oh God, you have launched us. We give ourselves to you. Zero us to the target, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we bow our heads together. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that would say, Lord, I want you to take my bitterness away. Lord, take my clamoring away. Evil speaking. Take away my outward reflection in any way that does not reflect you, Lord. Even the thoughts of my mind, for it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let me not think evil thoughts. When the devil puts those thoughts in there, empower me to reject them, Lord. And I renounce every thought of the devil this morning, and we're willing. You just want to raise your hand to God in some way this morning or in some way project yourself to him and say, Lord, I'm yours. I want to put on Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't just want to be quickened in my heart. I want to display him in every fiber of my being. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, both my hands are raised. Lord, we just want to be your representation on the earth, oh God. We love you, Lord. We love your word, Lord. We love what you have done in our lives. And Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, may all bitterness melt away this morning. May all evil thinking, may all scars, may all things, may all cultural and family inheritance, oh God, may it fall by the wayside this morning until all we see is Jesus Christ on display. Lord, we don't want to leave this building a church that's got this flaw or that flaw. Lord, we want to be filled with you, oh God. We want to be totally surrendered to you, Lord. There might even be somebody at their Gethsemane this morning, Lord, that's saying, Father, let this cup pass, but nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, oh God. If I have to go through it, strengthen me to go through it. If I have to endure it, give me the strength, Lord. Empower me, oh God. Let me say the right thing, do the right thing. Believe the right thing. Let all doubts flee, O oh God. Let all fears vanish this morning, Lord. We have not received a spirit of bondage to fear. We have received a spirit of sonship that has sent us on a trajectory to the target, O oh God. O oh Lord, it's your power that has set us in motion, and it's your power that will see us safely through. We love you, Lord. We give our lives to you afresh this morning. If there be anyone, Lord, that has just one thing to surrender as we linger, Father, may they surrender it to you even now, Lord. May all that we are be a reflection of you. Forgive us our shortcomings, Lord. Forgive us our failures. 
And we know, Lord, that this week ahead, if these bodies aren't changed, we'll likely fail again. But we're thankful that there's a bleeding sacrifice. We're thankful, Lord, that there's a buffer around the earth that cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. You are the Father of grace. We commit ourselves and this service to you for your glory, Lord. May it have drawn your children just another step closer to you, Father. I know it did when I studied it, Lord. And I pray it did when it was delivered. And Lord, we commit all things to you for your glory. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Maybe we should sing, He Knows My Name. I have a maker. You believe He knows your name? Did He come to your address this morning? Amen. I have a I'm so glad he cares. The Bible says, cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. What a lovely, a lovely, loving, heavenly father we have. Amen. Well, God bless you. This is the only service today.
May you have wonderful fellowship around the Word of God today, even if it's by yourself. Fellowship with the Word. And let the Word of God become more real to you than ever before. God bless you. Shake hands with one another as you go. Service is dismissed in Jesus' name.